Good morning, Icon Church. <clears throat> Would you remain standing as we read God's Word? My name is Nate, and I'm going to be reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. Um, I'd encourage you to read along in your Bibles. If you are using the blue ESV Bibles in your pew, you can find the passage on page 571. 571. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you up here again. I'm very thankful that, uh, you know, the first time you, you didn't know, but this time it's like I was invited back, so that's kind of a... Um, oh, thanks, Ben. I appreciate the little thing there. Um, it, is, it is a joy to, to share in, in, the, in the assembly, and such a great book, such, such rich text. I will say that... Ten verses is a ton to cover uh, in, a, in a sermon, and usually, well, back, back in the old days, I maybe take a, a verse or two, but uh, we're going we're gonna to get through these ten. And it's funny because when I read it, the, the thing that jumped out to me was the word citizen. And so that's kind of the, our citizenship is kind of the title. And so um, before I, I get started, I just want to make couple of comments. Number one, since we're, we'll continue the sports theme, the Royals are in town this week, and I will be, I will be rooting for the Mariners. All right, just, just saying, for those of you that, because the Royals are horrible this year. I was like, yeah, Lee. Um, I'm from Kansas City, those of you who don't know. So, um, <clears throat> Also, last week, I told the, the true story about my wife and how generous she was at my very first sermon and how I was so frustrated, I was so nervous and didn't know that I changed my tie six or seven times. And after the sermon, I asked her, how, how was it? How was it? She, you know, she said, well, you picked the right tie. So she was, uh, appreciated that. So I had to pick my tie out this morning, just so you know, so there was no question. But uh, there's times when you're, when you're pastoring, and I pastored for nine years, when you really think you're nailing it. I mean, you'll be up here, and it's like it's flowing together. You, the thoughts are coming, and it just like it's just great. I mean, I feel like 
Well, I feel like that is uh, not a, a lot of times, but one time I was preaching, and I thought that, man, everybody is with me. This is just great. I, I dare not catch anybody's eye because the men would be crying, and, and the women, I don't know, it just it was going to be this, because I was just preaching, and it was coming down. And then I looked on the front row, and a man named Jimmy Foster, who was a dear congregate of mine, was fast asleep and snoring. I could hear him snoring at the pulpit. And, and basically, what the Lord used was like, okay, preach it, but don't get too caught up in, <laughs> in you. And I will just tell you that um, get caught up in the Word of God. That's, what, that's why we're here. That's why, and it's not the, the good or the bad job that the, the, the preacher does. It's, it's looking into the Word and to, and to keep faithful to it. So I want to talk about uh, three different things. Uh, and the first one is pressing on, okay? Pressing on. And it's, it's interesting if you read, I'm just going to read a little bit in Philippians where uh, Paul talks about that. It's starting in 12, he says, 3.12, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, I press on toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of Christ Jesus. Now, what's fascinating about that Obviously, press on, press on. When, there's, when there is uh, repetition in Scripture, you want to pay attention to it. But this was interesting to me because Paul says, but one thing I do, and then he mentions two things. Okay? So I want to pay, I want to pay attention to that. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. That's, that's, that's one thing. But, you know, we think, oh, there's two things. Kind of like when the, the fruit of the Spirit, when you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. They're all together. Someone explained it, it's like a crop. You know, if you have a crop of wheat, there's a lot of wheat, but it's just one crop. Well, one thing that Paul said we need to do is forget what's behind and press on forward. So, forgetting what lies behind. I'll tell you, that was, that's hard for me. That's hard for me because for some reason my, my mind remembers all the times I, I messed up, okay? And I, and I know the Lord doesn't. He says he casts those into a sea of forgetfulness, but looking behind is never a great idea in Scripture, okay? So I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to go to a couple places where people look behind and it didn't end well for them, all right? The first one, we don't even know this lady's name. She didn't even give her her name, but she's somewhat famous. It's Lot's wife. Okay, now, remember the whole story of Sodom and Gomorrah? And Lot and his family was there, and the angels came. And when I read that section of Scripture, it, it encourages me that it wasn't man that wrote the book. I mean, the Holy Spirit penned it through men, but men didn't come up with this because those couple of chapters, wow, are that's just amazing how horribly humans acted during that time. Well, in, law, in, this, in this situation, the angels came. They said, we're going to destroy the city. you got to get out. And as the morning dawned, the angels urged, urged Lot, saying, this is in Genesis 19, 
uh, 15 and 17, if, you're, if you keep track of those kind of things. So just listen. The angel said, get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. What two things did the Lord send to Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember? We always talk about it. Sometimes preachers are, are, are called fire and brimstone, fire and brimstone preachers. Um, but you know what lie did? He lingered. He li We're going to destroy the city, get out, and, and Lot lingered. So the, so the angels, the men, seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, and the Lord being merciful to them, and they brought them out and set them outside the city. When he brought them out, they said to him, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills. That was the instruction as the angels were taking them out of the city. So they're running out of the city, and Lot's wife, what did she do? She turned around and looked back. What happened to her? Okay. Does everybody know what happened to Lot's wife when she turned around? She was turned into a pillar of salt. What? <laughs> That's the only time in Scripture that happened. And in fact, you know, it didn't end well, right? The story gets fascinating. But uh, another time where, where uh, as an example of looking back, was Israel. Israel was looking back. Okay? This is in Numbers 11, 1 through 6, and I do apologize. Some of this comes together uh, for me, and I always, don't always get it to Daniel, so if it's not up, it's not his fault, it's my fault. But this is in Numbers 11, 1 through 6. It says, and the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. Okay? The, now we're talking about the Israelites who were slaves for 400 years. God brought them out of Egypt with 10 amazing miracles. They crossed the Red Sea, and he's sending down manna from heaven, and they're complaining about their misfortunes. Okay? Um, and, they, and the people cried to Moses, and Moses prayed, and, and fire um, came down, and the, the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the out, outward parts of the, of the camp. And the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And they said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember, we look back when we had fish to eat for free in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leek, the onions, the garlic. Okay? People look back. Sometimes I find myself looking back to the, to the barbecue. Right? Maybe. Kansas City. Not the same thing, but they were looking back. They were thinking, we had it great there. And they said, but now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to eat. <laughs> what? This is a magical bread, or I guess it's bread. It's coriander seed. I don't know. And it comes down six days of the week, and they fill their baskets with it. They don't do it on the Sabbath because you don't work on the Sabbath, and if you if you, you so you two do two helpings for the Sabbath, but this is this is miracle stuff. In fact, in, in Psalms they call it the angels' food. Okay, and they're complaining. I find myself there. I mean, I look at how blessed I am, and yet I think, oh, gosh, if I had only done this instead of this, I would be here instead of here. That's looking back. That's looking back. People look back when they, when they were trying to decide whether or not to follow Jesus. In Luke 9, 57 through 62, And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, to Jesus, I will follow you wherever, I, wherever you go. Follow you wherever you go. 
and words are cheap. And Jesus was always trying to talk people out. Have you ever noticed how Jesus was always trying to talk people out of following him? It is amazing. He said, you need to count the costs. You need to count the costs. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another said to him, he said to another, and Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said to Jesus, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus was very, you know, very kind, said, sure, go bury your father. No, that's not what he said. He said, leave the dead to bury their own dead. <laughs> Man, I need, to, I need to get into the word and figure out exactly what he was saying. But he's saying, don't look back. You know, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take me and move, move forward. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying that as believers we don't have doubts, but if you, if you are indeed a believer, if you claim Christ, if you've asked him to forgive your sins, and you've believed in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead, and you, and you concentrate on your formal life, you're, that, that's looking back. Paul says, don't look back. Don't look back. I think about this in a real, ten, in a, in a real sense. I grew up on a, on a farm, on a ranch, and I've spent, I don't know, it seemed like thousands of hours, but probably only hundreds of hours on a tractor pulling a plow. Really, I did more disking than plowing, and to you that makes no difference at all. It's a tractor with a farm implement, right? But plowing, you can only turn in a certain direction. Disking, you can turn in both directions, and that still doesn't make any difference. But Whenever I would try, I would always try to make my, my rows straight. And if I, okay, if I have my hand on the tractor and I'm looking behind, what happens? The tractor goes veering off. Have you ever been driving your car and like look down at something and you're and you, like, the, the, maybe that's only me that that's happened to, but that's, you know, you, uh, so. You're just looking back, it's not a good thing. In fact, the way you keep a straight row, and I'm sure that you'll all use this sometime in your life, for, for plowing or disking or whatever farm implement you're using, is set your eye on something ahead of you and, and, and keep the course there. And then when you, after you make your turn, you can use the side and keep your row straight because it looks better if your field's plowed straight. Anyway... I guess I would encourage you not to look back. Um, and I think that people that I have talked to who are hesitant about following Jesus the whole way, and it's as a pastor for nine years, they would say, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, no, and I really, I don't necessarily wanna know what you've done, but guess what? Jesus does know what you've done, and there is no sin that is stronger than the grace of Jesus Christ. No sin is stronger than the grace of Jesus Christ. So, that's one half of the whole of, don't look back, straining forward, steps of faith, I call it. So, straining forward, how do you strain forward? Well, I was thinking about that, and I thought, okay, the first thing that came to my mind was the Israel, it's a great example, because, man, you've just, 
I can't remember. Boy, Cecil, Cecil B. DeMille did a great job back in the 60s when he did the Ten Commandments. I, I don't, I'm surprised they haven't done an updated version. Maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about. But that was very, for me, for a young I was just going, wow, the, the parting of the Red Sea. Okay? So here, here are the, the, the people of, of, of Israel, or, or the, the Jews are, are being chased by the Egyptians. They come to the Red Sea, and they are literally between the Red Sea and the Egyptians. Okay? We say between a rock and a hard place. You know, we, and different cultures say between the cliff and the sword. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can say it. It's, it's a tough spot, all right? And what are they supposed to do? Well, they're supposed to go move forward. In Exodus 14, 15, the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Okay, now, granted, that's not our particular situation here, but we can extrapolate from Scripture. You can move forward in your life trusting the Lord. The, my even more favorite piece of that was uh, in Joshua, Joshua 3, 14 and 16, after they had, um, they were getting ready to cross over into the promised land and how they're going to cross it. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before them, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water... And I go, okay, so uh, no, no biggie. Now, the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. Have any of you ever seen a river or even a creek that's overflowed its banks? And it's like rushing water. And you don't know where the, where the land ends and the, and the real water begins. Medicine Lodge, Kansas, right through the middle of Medicine Lodge, Kansas, had a thing called Medicine River, part of its name. But when the Medicine River would flood, I can remember how dangerous it looked. And this is a little podunk Medicine Lodge, Kansas, not the mighty Jordan River. So they're coming up to this river, which they have to cross, which how many, how many I mean, the force of the flood, I even, we don't make a biggest deal out of it, but I think engineering-wise, probably harder to cross the Jordan on dry ground than the Red Sea. Just saying, I don't know for sure, maybe those of you that like to do those kind of things could investigate that. But this, this, this river is raging, it's flooding, and what are the priests supposed to do? Let's take a step forward, okay? Do you, is there something raging in your life? Is there unknown, and you're not sure to take the, the step into it? Well, if the Lord's leading you, my encouragement is take that step, okay? Strain forward. I don't think I would have wanted to have been one of the, the guys on the ark, but they, they just they stepped forward. And what happened? It says, the waters coming down from above stood up and rose up in a heap very far away. That's, that's, our, that's our God. That's our Lord. And I, 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 I don't know all of you well and hope to get... To, to know you all better, but I know there's been times when you've taken steps of faith, knowing the Lord's behind you, not knowing where that's going to lead. You know, the Grecos took a step of faith to come to Seattle, right? Not that we're any big deal, but I mean, it's like, okay, to leave a job that I had for 14 years and come out to, of all places, Seattle. 
Okay, now I love, we love Seattle. God brought us to Seattle. We, we were on our knees for months before we came, but it still, it was a step. It was a step. I wanted to, I wanted to share one, one thing with you about, um, actually, the, uh, 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 Pam and I are accidental landowner, or, uh, landlords. We had a house that we were trying to sell, and then someone needed a house, so we rented it to them, and, and then we were going to sell it, and then someone else needed a house. And so the, the lady that's renting our house right now, she had a, a very particular situation, four kids. She had to, get, she had to, she had to leave the, the family home. It was, it, was, it was very tragic, but she felt like the Lord was leading her to come to our school in, uh, in Kansas City and work for us. Now, working for a, a Christian ministry is not always the highest paying position, but she just, when I, when I interviewed her, she goes, I, I know how to teach, and the Lord's leading me to this school. And it's like, okay, well, um, and then we, and I said, well, what are you going to do for um, housing? She goes, I have no idea. And I go, oh, uh, you know, we have a house that we need to have rented. And she goes, well, I have four kids. And I said, well, it has five bedrooms. And here's the thing I want to tell you. I want to tell you that this woman's faith, it, it was a, ended up being a blessing to her, a blessing to her kids, a blessing to us, and a blessing to the school that she serves. So when you think about how the Lord's leading you and, to, and pressing forward, or um, straining forward, know that he may, be, he may be just working with you to move you closer to sanctification, but he also be wanting to, for you to bless others. For you to bless others. So the last point I want to make um, is imitating me. Imitating me. That's what Paul said, not, not me. But Paul said, brothers, and this is in Philippians 3.17, brothers, joining imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the examples you have in us. Okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a little bit of Ben's thunder because I know he's going to be coming up and talking about Philippians 4. One of the most probably well-known and, and, and well-loved verses is Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, and he goes on, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then he, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So what Paul is saying is, look, you've heard, you know, you, you know what is true and honorable and just and pure, and you have seen me do it. In fact, one reading of that verse is, if there's anything worthy of praise, think, think on these things which you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. So as you're, as you're straining forward, you, you, people will, are watching. What you do as a, as a believer, whether they're brothers and sisters who need the encouragement or, or non-believers who, who are looking at you to see how you, um, how you handle yourself, so to speak, it's, um, it's something that we have to be aware of. Paul says again in 1 Corinthians, I urge you then, be imitators of me. He says again in 2 Thessalonians, how ought you imitate us but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. And I, I think these tie together. I think if we, if we walk in faith, if we step forward in faith, if we, if we are listening to the Lord and we understand 
him and we step forward, that is something that we, people will look and imitate. We want to be those that people can imitate. And I thought about, okay, when in my life have I really imitated someone? Okay, and I'm going to date myself, which is no big deal because you already know that I'm the old codger in the room. But when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show, I watched that actually. <laughs> okay, I actually did. I wanted a Beatle haircut. I wanted to imitate the Beatle haircut. And my dad, who it was a rodeo hand and a rancher and a, ended up later being a... Um, working on an oil rig as a roughneck. He said, okay. He says, what kind, of, what kind of haircut is that? And I go, well, at school they call it a bowl cut. So my, my dad went to the cupboard, pulled out a cereal bowl, stuck it on my head, and shaved everything out that did not fit up into the bowl. Voila. Um, thank goodness your hair grows back out. And... Uh, Got a lot of comments on my, on my beetle haircut, so got to be careful who you imitate. But you know what's fascinating? And I, I, well, it's not, probably not that fascinating to you, but I tuck my shirt in the same way that my dad tucked his shirt in, okay? I shave the same way that my dad shaved, okay? I eat my eggs, my over-easy eggs, the same way my dad my dad did. Why? Because I, I looked at him and, and I imitated him. Now, none of that is spiritual at all. I don't know, maybe you could make some kind of, but it's really not. It's just imitating life. You know that happens. You know that happens. Well, can you say, or are you willing to say, yeah, I want, I want to be able to tell people, uh, imitate me, watch me. One of, the, uh, one of the things I've learned being in education was um, if it's public sin, you need a public confession. And uh, I always have always taught Spanish up until about two years ago. So I've had a, a, a you know, everybody's kid. Well, so my kids are coming up through Spanish. The only two years I didn't teach Spanish when Gracie took Spanish. She always reminds me that I didn't teach her Spanish. But so my middle son, Gabe, took Spanish from me. And every, at every uh, year, you would have the kids do a, like an assessment. And you always kind of took it with a grain of salt because what if a kid didn't like you? Or, but you, if there were patterns, you could see those. And I can remember um, always getting very good in excellence from, from the kids, except this, the first year that Gabe was in my class, I kept getting it very poor. Very, on the one question, it was very poor, very poor, very poor. And everything, and it was just like, What? So I went to the class and I go, guys, what's up? You told me that I'm excellent in all these things, but, but in the way I discipline fairly, I'm very poor. And I said, yeah, when Gabe messes up, you, you cream him. You can let us off with normal, but when your son messes up, you, you're not fair to him at all. And I thought, well, that's, I don't want to be like that. You know, I, I want to be, be able to demonstrate fairness, fairness, especially with, man, kids have this tremendous sense of what is fair and what is not. And so I, I, want, I want to be able to be as fair as I can. And so I, I had to apologize, 
you know? And, it, and I found that when I apologized, I said, I'm really sorry, class. You're absolutely right. That was wrong. And I said, Gabe, would you forgive me? And he goes, sure. And I said, class, will you forgive me? And they said, sure. And I said, Gabe, what did I tell you probably would happen if you, if you uh, took a class from me? And he goes, you said you'd probably be harder on me than anybody else. I go, there. So, so I was that. But I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and I'll try not to do that again. Anyway, um, what I, the whole story, point of this story is I got more comments from parents on me asking forgiveness of their children than other stuff. Because, uh, and it was just, I thought, wow. And um, I would say that, that people watch you and, and, and follow, follow Christ so they can see Christ in you. The last point is, is our citizenship. And um, Paul writes in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and, f- and from it we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I got to tell you, as I read and read and reread our, our scripture for today, that word just kept jumping out to me, citizenship. And it made me think of, of um, in, in Ephesians, where, again, Paul's letter, he talks about um, the Ephesians. And Ephesians 2, another one of those great chapters that talks about being uh, saved by, gra- uh, by grace through faith and not of your works. But a little bit farther down in that same chapter, he says, Therefore, remember at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, what, by what is called the circumcision, or, or in other words, the Jews called the Gentiles uncircumcised. Remember, you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and stranger to the covenants of the promise. So you were cut out. Um, you were cut out, having no hope and without God in the world. So, so he's, Paul's saying, remember, you were, were totally cut out of, of this. And, but our citizenship now is in heaven. And I brought a prop today, okay? It's prop time. Everybody, you know what this is, I'm pretty sure, because it, if you can read that far, you can see it's a passport. Now, this is an expired one. That's why the holes are punched in it, because it'd be just like me to bring my real one in, and I'd lose it, and then, oh, gee, boy, that's a, that's a pain. Anyway, does, it, does anybody know what this is? Probably not. Of course, that's a, if you did, it'd be amazing. This is a... Um, well, Documento Nacional de Identidad de Argentina. It's a um, national document. ID, it's an ID. So this is kind of the passport. And both of these give me some rights. Okay? Both of these give me, give me some benefits. Okay? Now, I was trying to think about... I've been... I've been a, was born in the U.S., um, but my dad, my dad's first generation, my grandparents weren't, though. My grandparents, my Greco side of my family, they, all, they came from Italy. My grandfather fought against the U.S. in World War I. Okay? And then when they, he was a prisoner of war, when they switched sides, they let him go, and he walked across France to home in Italy, and then he came to the States. Having lived overseas for 14 years, I can tell you that 
Even when I was in Argentina and I, be, and I became as, the most I could become unless, unless I was nationalized in Argentina, I was still a citizen of the United States. I still had all the rights and the benefits of being a citizen of the United States. Now, this may mean something to you all, it may not, but the first time I ever had to go to the U.S. Embassy in Argentina, it was, it was quite an, an ordeal. They had a, a line that would be like out this door, down past uh, the, the grade school into the street. So it was a block and a half long, and it was, it was as I remember it, of course, the story gets more difficult the, the more I tell it, but it was, it was hot probably, okay? And there were 80 people or 90 people in this line, and I was, you know, in these way, you know, I didn't speak very much Spanish or didn't feel like I wanted to engage someone in conversation. So I finally get up to the front, and I pull out my passport, and I go, is the line always this long to get in? He goes, you an American? I go, well, yeah. I says, you don't have to wait in line. With your passport, you walk right in. And, oh, nobody told me that. I, did, I, did, I had a right, and I didn't even know it. And so you better believe it. Every time I, I came back to the embassy, I, I, went, to, I went right to, the, to the, the door where you go. And I've seen in movies, okay, I think it's movies, right? Running for the embassy. You know, someone is, is you know, you're, uh, you're trying to get away from the bad guys, and you're waving your passport, and they open the doors and slam them, and they, that didn't really happen, but once I got inside, you know what they told me? Actually, I remember, that's actually U.S. soil. That's, that's sovereign territory in the embassy, okay? So my question is, all right, let's say that someone from Argentina was pregnant, and they jumped the fence and had their baby. I don't, know why, I don't know why I would ask questions like that, but that's the kind of question I would ask. And they said, well, if, if, if she had her baby inside the U.S. Embassy, that baby would be American. And I was like, whoa. We face the same kind of dilemma, if you will. Our citizenship it is wherever it is. I'm not, I, I know that not everybody here necessarily has the same citizenship that I do here on earth. But we all, if we're believers, have a citizenship in heaven. When we die, we go to the front of the line. Okay? When we die, it's he's mine, and we walk in. And I think about all the benefits of being a, a, a citizen of whatever country. I mean, there were benefits of being an Argentine citizen, but we have... Freedom to express yourself, freedom to worship, freedom to have a fair trial, vote in elections, you can apply for federal employment, you can run for elected office. There are over 160 countries that will let you in without a visa if you have an American passport. Free to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I pr probably if I studied it more, I could come up with a lot more benefits of being an American citizen. And I'm not discouraging, please understand me, I'm not discouraging anybody else's citizenship because I'm, I'm just American, I don't know the, the, the benefits. But we could brainstorm together what the benefits of being a citizen of heaven is, are. 
I started thinking, and you could probably come up for, uh, with many more than I have, but praising God all the time. No, no clocks. No clocks in heaven. Eternal life. You can learn forever. You want to learn a language? Great. You want to learn 10 languages? Great. You want to learn 100 languages? You want to learn 100,000 languages? You have eternity. I don't know why language popped, but that's just, you get to spend time with Jesus. Okay, you don't have to say this, but when you get to heaven, other than, of course, Jesus, who, who do you want to spend time with? You know, who's your heroes or who are your heroes? Well, guess what? You'll be able to. I remember last Sunday I talked about the, the widow from Guatemala. I want, to, I want to talk to her some again. There's no sins, no tears in heaven. Those are the rights you have being a citizen of heaven. So in wrapping up, um, I just want to give you a little bit of application to this. Um, press on, press on. Again, it's a, it's a dual kind of thing. You've got to forget what lies ahead and, and, and take, a, take steps of faith. But press on. Be imitable or uh, imitatable. That's not a word, is it? Imitatable? No, it's, it's imitable. That's how, is that how you pronounce it? Be so people can imitate you. I know there's a word for that. I wrote it down here, but it just didn't look right. What is it in your Christian life that you need to do that you haven't done? To, be, to have people look at you and say, um, I want to imitate that person. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe, maybe you have made a decision for Christ. You believe that God raised you from the dead. You believe he took away your sins, but you haven't been baptized. You need to get baptized, okay? Now, I may get in some trouble for saying that up here, but I'm going to say it. I, did, I, um, I believe that Scripture teaches us that that's the step of, of obedience. Maybe you need to confess Christ as your Savior, Maybe you, need to, maybe you need to ask him to forgive your sins, to confess him as Lord. Because all the stuff we talked about here, you know, not looking back, moving forward, to, to be in such a way that people would want to imitate you and to, and to have heaven as your everlasting home hinge upon being saved, being a believer. And if you're not a believer, then maybe today God is calling you to become one. I'm sure the elders would be up here if you have any questions about that. And remember, your citizenship is not on earth. Now, we love a lot of things about Argentina. In fact, there'll be times when we would say, okay, what do you miss most about Argentina? Oh, the meat, the asado. That, oh, they have great. We, have a, we had an avocado tree in our yard that would produce scores of avocados. Nice, we had to beat the, the birds and the dog to the avocados, but there would be seven or eight or ten drop every, every night for, during avocado season. We loved a lot of things about Argentina, but it wasn't our, it wasn't our home. And America is not our home. Kansas City is not our home. Seattle's not our home. Our home is in heaven. And while we're here, we need to just keep, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. 
Because your citizenship was purchased with Christ's blood. I know there's a part in Scripture where a Roman is talking to her, he's an official, and Paul's been beaten without a trial. And he goes, you're going to beat a Roman citizen without a trial? And he goes, whoa, you're a Roman citizen? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm a Roman citizen, but I bought it. Paul goes, I was born in Rome, or in Roman province. So if you've been born again, if, you have, if you've taken on Christ, then you are a citizen of heaven. And that's something that we can all rejoice in, that we can all rejoice in. So let me pray for us, and we'll go to uh, communion. Right? Father, I thank you for the truth that is found in your word. I thank you that you know our frame. You know, you know what we need to follow you. And so often it's just to take that one step of faith. And whatever that step is, Lord, I pray that today um, those of us within the hearing of my voice, my, me, my, myself included, those that are here electronically, they would take that step. And that through it all, Lord, you would be lifted up and glorified and we could um, continue to trust and love you. Thank you for this, this time together. I pray you would bless our time as we come to communion. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us on Gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all, and we are His.